Hi, I'm Adam Purcell from Staggering Stories. This past weekend, Sunday the 5th of September 2010 to be precise, uh, several of us Doc 2 podcasters were lucky enough to attend Hooverville 2 in the Midland Railway Centre in Ripley near Derby in the UK. As with Hooverville 1 last year, uh, we all took part in a podcast panel, the audio of which is coming up next. After the audio for that panel, we will then have another, much shorter, recording of a few of us sitting around a, a wooden table in a train station after the convention finished for our reactions and our thoughts on the event. But wasting no more time, except to say thank you for Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast providing the audio for the convention panel, and for James from the Dog 2 Podcast for the post-convention discussion audio, here's the first piece, the convention panel itself. Is was a podcasters panel. I want to really pay tribute to the way various podcasters have this event, both last year and this year, and have really had a success as last year and this year. It's, it's been fantastic. They've, they've done us a really big favour. Um, they were a highlight of last year's event, I feel. Excellent podcasters panel last year. And this year we said, right, we're going to give you half an hour. So, I'm going to introduce you to Stubbs. From, he's going to be here today, but he made a special from Staggering Stories. This is going to be here. From Staggering Stories podcast, Mr. Adam J. Brissell. Can you now try and record this? Nothing <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
the TARDIS seems to be interfering with the sound, I'm sorry. Um, my name's Michael, I'm host of the Tin Dog Podcast, been going for about four years now. Yeah. <laughs> I have one listener, that's him then. And um, I'm also, sounds like an alcoholic anonymous meeting, a member of the Dog, Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Yes. None of us have very good mic technique. It's a shame, really, because we're podcasters, but let's not go there. Uh, and this is Tom. Hello, my name's Tom, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, uh, so, my name's Tom, I'm one of the three uh, hosts of the Doctor Who podcast, uh, alongside my colleague James, and a man who can't be here today, Mr. Trevor Gensch. Uh, I'm Luke, host of the Mighty Doctor Who podcast, or Tmudwoop for short. Um, uh, I've been doing this podcast for about two and a half years. It's all mostly on video, and the early episodes are all shot uh, entirely on location in Russia. So um, that's quite a lot of fun. Hello, I'm James. I'm uh, well. I'm a third of the Doctor Who podcast. Um, I don't know if Tom made it clear or not, but Trevor can't be here because he's in Australia. Perhaps that's not such a good excuse after all. Perhaps, but there you go. Okay, and this is Tim. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm Tim from uh, Kim's Take On. Uh, that man over there designed this T-shirt for me, so um, say hello to Mr. Chin. Well, that's his Twitter alias, at least. If you get to know him better, you might find his real name. Um, hello, I'm Keith, or also known as Real Keith from the Stagger Stories podcast with uh, Adam, or El President of uh, we do a fortnightly podcast with three other people who unfortunately can't be here from various circumstances. But, um, uh, I'm Adam, again. Um, I'm Scottus, the Dirty Hoers Doctor Who podcast. Um, we have to have a different format to these gentlemen. We get very, very, very drunk and slow. Uh, Paul Wilson, uh, the Who cast, I think I've been doing this for six years. Yeah, I'm like the grandfather of the Doctor Who podcast. Uh, anyway, nice to meet you all. Uh, our plan was to have no plan and just open it up to the floor. Is there any questions? Nobody wants to. It's actually very similar to our podcasting experience. So the difference being is that we can actually edit. <laughs> we don't have to do this live. Um, first thing I wanted to check was how many listeners have we got out there at the moment? If you listen to at least one of our shows, that's about four. Four, and you're a co-host, aren't you, of other podcasts? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least we've got double the amount of listeners that we had at the panel last year. Anyway, comments. So, would you like to know a little bit more about podcasting, what it is we do, why we do it, um, or are you just taking the weight of your feet? Or, uh... <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's probably only fair to, to hang this over to Paul, Paul sitting quietly in the corner. Paul is actually the creator of the WhoCast, that has been certainly the longest running podcast that's been based in the UK. Um, and I think it's probably only right if I say Paul, how did you get the Who cast going and how did you build up what a listener base of 10, 15,000? Well, um, it all started 
simply because I thought I had something really interesting to say. I thought other people would like to hear it as well. And there were no other, no other British uh, Dr. Who podcasts. Everything else was sort of coming out of the US, and um, which was great. But um, I kind of wanted to give my perspective, and as I said, I thought people would listen. I was lucky in that there was no one else, and I kind of shot from, I think, my very first listener, which was Tim, <laughs> to around about three, four thousand listeners in about six months. Um, and then, oh, probably in about 12 months, we kind of hit the sort of 10 to 12,000 listener mark, just kind of up and down since then. Um, but yeah, it really, really just came about because I just liked the sound of my own voice and thought I had opinions that were worthwhile listening to. The interesting thing, I don't want to sort of take this from everyone, the, the interesting thing is that you find that people do have, want to listen to what you have to say um, and it just turns into a conversation that you have down the pub with your mates um, when you're talking about Doctor, Doctor Who. And I think uh, when, when I first started, it was just me sort of just rambling on, and then I got other people involved, and um, I met with Seb and became regular hosts of this podcast. And it does become a dialogue, and I, I can't speak to myself, but I think uh, I can only speak to myself. But I think the dialogue uh, is something important for all Doctor Who fans. It's something that we go to these conventions for: is to talk to other people and share our opinions on the series and so forth. And, you know, we're just, the only difference is that we just kind of are egotistical enough to think that other people want to listen to our conversations. <laughs> it's amazing how many people are actually a little bit reticent to speak when all we do is sit and talk about Doctor Who on the podcast. Has anybody anything particular to say or ask the audience? Just for an example, one of the things that we should, I'm sure we're all going to be covering in the next shows that we do, and often we use Skype, so basically we're sitting in a room by ourselves, chatting to people on the other side of the world, and we're not next to each other, so what do we think about the next series being split into two halves? There we are, it's a competition topic, I'm sure we'll be covering it anyway, so there you go. I personally think, uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's alright, as far as I'm concerned, it's a way of getting rid of the Doctor Light episode. You only have to make 13 episodes next year instead of 14, including Christmas. And you'll get two cliffhangers, and you can do the Christmas show and my favourite, a Halloween episode. Yes, finally! So that's it, really. Anybody else got anything else to say? Because that was my opinion, and I'm used to talking by myself, to myself, on my own little show that I just ramble on, really. Please, God, someone edit me. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a good idea to have the show running in two halves, because it's back. The show will actually be on in autumn. Well, it should be on, I think. When it's nice and dark outside, and when you want to have a for walk with your family, family friends on TV, that's when that food should be out. Plus, you've also got this thing where you're not waiting for three or four months. Uh, there will be no more than about 12, 12, 16 weeks for more new Doctor Who. The last thing we had to sit through was what? A year and a half? That was just ridiculous. A couple of special episodes as well? Wrong. Cut with the dead? Yeah, that was worth waiting for. Definitely. Definitely. 
Well, no, I, I think it's great idea to spread the show out a bit more so there are fewer gaps. I'd just like to pick up on a point that Michael made. Um, he suggested that it might be an end to the Doctor Light episodes. I wonder whether that will actually be the case, because they're still going to be filmed together, so you never know. But would that be a good thing? I mean, you as the audience, what do you think? I mean, would you like to see the end of the Doctor Light episodes? Same series that split in two, in two halves, is similar to the same Moffat can do uh, the second series of um, Sherlock. That's the only reason, um, so he has enough time to write both. Is this going to happen every year from now on, or is this just one off? Or is it a transitionary phase to move it to the autumn permanently? I honestly think it's more to do with the following year. You've got the Olympics and you don't want Doctor Who split up or shoved in anywhere. You might as well have it in a four block in the autumn where we belong, but I see some shaking hands, so over to the shaking hands. One thing it's um, Doctor Who, the other thing is sport. Sport has the greater weight. It will be split up, whatever has happened, it will be shoved around the... Uh... You shove it somewhere where it's uh, no, no, I think they'll, they'll shuffle the wheels a bit safe and then maybe one week put it on at five, another week put it on at seven, another week put it on at four o'clock. That's all I'm stuck in town and have to get a taxi back to watch Doctor Who because I've forgotten what the time is. Any other theories as to why Stephen Moffat and the production team have decided to take this decision? <laughs> I think that's a point of view. I think that's a point of view. I think it's three episodes of Sherlock. He could do that, you know, in the evening. <laughs> are, are you saying that basically all Moffat has to do is watch Granada Plus and copy everything that Jeremy Brett says? And then go, but he's got a text message instead. Uh, nobody noticed that one. Has anyone seen Sherlock? Oh wow, that's the best response we've had from it. Let's leave Doctor Who, let's go on to Sherlock. <laughs> We're getting more of a response out there. But wasn't it brilliant? Wasn't it brilliant? A completely innovative way of telling a very, very old story, really, that we all knew about. I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, and do you think there's going to be any kind of bleed over from the success of Sherlock, you know, for the use of innovative ways of telling a story out into the next season of Doctor Who? Because I would like to see some of those mechanisms transfer over, certainly. If we're lucky, I'd, I'd hope so. Apart from anything else, what you've got is a very charismatic lead character in a long coat being flying around by some So yeah, it, it, it can break the ground there. But what did, you, what did you like most about Sherlock? Was it the pace of it? Was it the... What did you enjoy most? Ah! I hear Colin Firth is getting involved in the next series. That might be interesting to... I'm lying. Do you, does anyone out here do podcasts themselves? Do you actually have your own podcast working? Okay, very lovely. <laughs> well, okay, as, as you got going, what was the biggest hurdle to overcome when you, when you started podcasting? What was the biggest hurdle to overcome when you started podcasting? <laughs> um, we started podcasting because um, basically we didn't get together. We met in virtual worlds through, um, uh, through Lois and through James. 
of all the big US podcasts. Um, and uh, we met in Virtual World Day at a virtual meeting there, and we, that was about four years ago. We developed as friends through that, and some good friends of mine in the audience over there we know for a very long time. And we've got two, two American people, two English people, and nightmare on Skype, and we get together every so often, literally have a few drinks, and talk rubbish at each other. Which is what we do if we were in the same room, only now we record it. If people like it, people like it, they don't, they don't leave it. What guys, I mean, what sort of attitude do you have to, to your podcast? I mean, where, why did you start? Well, um, why did we start? We just, we saw other people doing podcasts, we thought, that looks easy. Uh, which it kind of is to record, but it isn't to edit, but there we go. Um, and in terms of us, the four or five of us to sit down in the same room, which is kind of unusual for us to podcast. Actually, us there, as we would normally be, as of a Monday evening or whatever. And we just record it, but it's a bit more focused, of course, than um, rambles, but not much, if you're asking you. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, what's your take on that? Well, um, I think the best compliment we've actually been, play, uh, been paid is the fact that our podcast sounds like a drunken conversation in a corridor at a sci-fi con, which essentially is what we're, we're aiming for. It's just uh, us sitting down, talking about various subjects, and each given time to, to butt in, and no hostility, no shouting. Well, those are the bits that we edited out. But yeah, it, it's, and you just remember. Just, yeah, right now, it comes straight into your head and just matter. And strangely, people find it amusing, which is, which is worrying. Yeah. I think I took a sideways route because I started about a couple of years ago uh, doing a podcast, not about Doctor at all, really. Uh, it's called Living a Second Life. There's been over 60 episodes now, and it's all about the virtual world of Second Life. That's me! You see, you see, you see, oh, I found another one. You see, it's not until today I knew what this guy's face was, because I've met him in Second Life. I thought, I listened to his podcast, I've heard it since episode one, it's a great show. Didn't know what, didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> but, um, no. Oh, good, another listener. <laughs> and so, no, so I, I was doing Living a Second Life, and that started off on quite a small scale with just me walking around Sims in Second Life, and then now and again I'd do a Skype interview with another resident or someone who's got something interesting to say, like uh, one of my friends in Second Life is a stand up comic, and uh, another one uh, who was in Chicago. Uh, she designs Sims, and she's also a DJ in Second Life, and uh, they're, they're just a couple of the people who I've interviewed. And so I, I, I was doing that for a couple of years, and um, then I got listening to these um, Doctor Who podcasts, and I started with um, Paul and a few of the others. And uh, well, when I first met Paul, we were in a, having a car journey one day, and I said to Paul, "What's that Who cast? Do you know how many listeners have you got at the moment?" And Paul said to me. 800? Wow! 800? <laughs> and now he's sitting here with about 12,000, and we still don't know how he does it. But, um, no, we, we, don't, we don't all have... We don't all have huge audiences. I think we just do it. And me and Michael are fine examples of this, because we just sit in a room and talk into a microphone. We just have a passion for Doctor Who, and we like talking about it. And... Thirteen of my episodes this year have been literally me doing just that right after the episode has aired. The, the, the credits are rolling, or Doctor Who Confidential has started. I grab my recorder and I go, 
maybe not for long, like for say three or four minutes, what did I think of it? I'll go on the internet, what's the immediate reaction? There's a show out within a couple of hours. Uh, goodness knows what I'm doing for the next few months, but that's how I started. Well, I think um, it's interesting how these podcasts start, because I think I'm into podcasting for a completely different reason, and it's because I like arguing with people, you see. And I can argue with myself, but it does get a little bit surreal if you just record that. So, Tom is uh, my current uh, co-host at the moment, and... Uh, <laughs> see, you love it, really. Um, but it's just fun to come up with different points of view. Ultimately, we all have one thing in common, not just a co-host on the show, but all podcasters. Um, we all love Doctor Who. Um, and we all love expressing our own, what we hope is a unique version or interpretation of the show. And um, as I said, I, I got into it initially, again, I have to say, through Paul's um, initiative that's uh, you know, really trailblazed. He's the English podcaster. We have to call him the English one because there's another one over in the States with Lewis, the podshock. Um, <laughs> And uh, the rest, I think, is, is, is history. It, it's something I thoroughly enjoy, and um, it, it's great to hear back from the listeners, and it's great to hear other people enjoying our product, and it's good to see that we have some people here who haven't got up and walked up and got lunch. It's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, my uh, early days of podcasting were uh, over in uh, the former Soviet Union. I was living in uh, St. Petersburg at the time, in 2006, I think, and I started doing this podcast for, for people back home to find out what my life was like. And um, I sort of started to listen to Doctor Who podcasts at the same time, and I suddenly thought, there's a gap in the market. Um, Podshock's really, really, really long. The Tindog podcast is a little shorter. Maybe I can go even shorter again. And so I just put up 30 seconds of audio of me saying, hello, I'm about to start a really short Doctor Who podcast. Does anybody want to subscribe? And then I submitted it to iTunes. And uh, a couple of people subscribed, so I thought, well, let's go with this. And then I decided to do video, because that's, my background is uh, in animation. And uh, that's why I've been doing this video podcast for the last couple of years. Initially, as I say, a lifeline from Russia. Now it's just kind of I'm back, part of this community. Um, that's another thing, really, being part of this, this group of people, most of whom you meet online, here online. And then you get to come to something like this and properly hang out with them. And that, that was really kind of my motivation behind doing it is to be part of something bigger than myself and as people have said to contribute my own unique video take on it um, showing my bearded um, philodematic-esque face onto, uh, onto the airwaves <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Fine, uh, oh, okay, okay. All right, one, of the, one of the things I think is kind of important about Doctor Who generally is how inclusive it is um, you know, the, the character of the Doctor is always going to people, making sure that he brings them in. Uh, it's fair to say that there's, there are a few boundaries in terms of, well, I, I think I learned a lot of my tolerance for the, the, the world I live in from watching Tom Baker just accepting everything. Podcasting's kind of the same. Anybody who wants to can get into it, particularly if you're younger as well, because if you're technologically minded, it's very, very easy just to sit there and go like, quick and start talking. Very, very easy indeed. Uh, and what you'll find is even if you only have four or five listeners, or 10, 15 listeners, rising to 10,000, 12,000, um, then quickly you can generate a sense of community around this whole little thing of Doctor Who. So if you're thinking about doing it, don't think about it, actually just get on with it. It doesn't matter how basic your equipment is, it doesn't matter how short, how short your opinion might be, just do it. Seriously, someone will listen, and then there's two of you, and then there's four, and then there's eight, and then you're in a train yard hanging out looking for Casey Manning. <laughs> 
So, you know, if you think, if you're thinking about doing it, stop thinking about doing it. Get on with it. Particularly if you're under 20, just go with it. Do it. <laughs> Also, for anyone that's, for, for me personally, and, and I don't know for anyone else, but for me personally, it really did change my life in a lot of ways. Being a Doctor Who fan since I was, you know, a kid, or from, from as long as I can remember. Um, by doing this, it, it got my name out there, and people got to know me, and it meant that I was able to get involved with things like Big Finish, and the creation of the audios of Doctor Who, and then going forward now being uh, uh, being introduced to the production team, and then um, fortunately, and you know, I, I feel extremely lucky for the production team to have sort of turned around to me and said, well, you know, we, we, we like what you do, we like what you have to say, we don't always agree with it, but here we go, here's, here's review copies, here's um, uh, preview copies and things like that, and if you have something to say, then just as as we just said, go out and say it. And you know, even if no one listens, maybe that one person will. And if you're really interested in Doctor Who and you want to get involved, it's a nice, easy way. Particularly if you've got no talent, just like me. You know. <laughs> Although, <laughs> one thing uh, last year, I was sent uh, these uh, preview copies, and it was the second episode. Where you know where the, the Doctor and Amy sliding down into the big tunnel, the belly of the beast, and so they sent us these these uh, preview copies to watch. So I watched them, knowing that they weren't completely finished, but thinking that they were so close that wouldn't really matter. And I made a comment and said, "Oh, you can see right up Amy's skirt." And boy, that get me in trouble. I had feminists on my back saying that I was well. You know, I had feminists uh, emailing me saying that um, I was a, a female hater. I had the production team on me say, what the hell did you say that for? Because by the time it got to television, they obviously CGI'd out their knickers, so you couldn't see out the shit. <laughs> 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 Have you wondered how much that DVD's not worked? Yeah, I should probably put a leave But anyway, so, so all I'm saying is, if, if you're really interested in Doctor Who, you've got no talent like all of us, get yourself a podcast. You never know who's going to be listening. Go by the way. Nice. Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> just like Paul was saying, I mean, the opportunities that, that, that this alliance kind of uh, brings up as well. I mean, last year I went to this convention, um, just went up to Colin Baker on Spectre, can you do something for my podcast? And obviously, he doesn't know me from Adam. And then over, not that Adam, obviously. Um, but then over the year, uh, we've done various events, and we got to do a signing with Colin Baker in. Um, April, I think it was, and obviously I was with some of the other guys who knew Colin, and we said, "Can we do a little video with you?" And so, um, if you if you go back to my podcast episode in April, we actually have Colin Baker saying the line from the end of Revelation of the Daleks, which was edited away, no longer exists in the BBC archive, but we got him to say it on camera, and that's all down to the fact that this community exists and we were able to do that and and, and put that back out into the Doctor Who world for anybody who wants it. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of pleased with, the, with what the community is able to achieve as a whole, rather than kind of me on my own, kind of not being able to do anything. Uh, I think 
think ultimately it's all about making uh, Doctor Who um, behind the scenes side of Doctor Who much more accessible to the general public and our listeners. And I think that's something that we all get a bit of a buzz out of, certainly, when we get emails saying, I really enjoyed the interview with X. And I don't know about the rest of you, but certainly for me, and this must have been very prominent in Tom's mind this morning, getting to interview some of these stars, you know, it's absolutely terrifying. You have no idea how hard it is just sitting there trying to actually generate conversation. Um, but, at the, <laughs> but at the same time, you come off and you see people who have listened and enjoyed it, and you think, that's fantastic. And that is something that podcasting has given quite a number of us, really, I think, given it the stars that we simply wouldn't have had before. And uh, certainly something I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. I don't know how are we doing for time. Basically, I got into podcasting because, like I said last year, I'm a skinflint, I owned an iPod, and wanted to have free content, and I don't like stealing music. So I downloaded Doctor Podshop from the States and Paul's show, and thought, I'll give this a go, but I have no friends, because I'm an old-school Doctor Who fan. And um, that was allowed then, not to have any friends. So I didn't have any close by, so I set up my own show by myself, and Mike Tim, we're one of the few solo podcasters, which does drive you a little bit mad because you're just sitting here talking at great length about something and you start thinking, is this opinion valid? Is it right? Does anyone care? And then you start getting emails like from listeners going, I don't agree at all. And you think, no, but I got a conversation out of here. It's fine. And it's a genuine buzz. So if you do want to do it, do it. There are, what, 58 pod- Doctor Who podcasts out there now? from around the world. It's not just the UK, it's not just Australia, it's absolutely every country. So if you want to do it, just do it. It's really not a problem. Tony said last year that we are the logical extension of fanzines that were around in the 80s and 90s as well. And that's what kept, helped keep Doctor Who alive. Obviously not as much as things like Big Finish. But I don't know if you feel that because fanzines are coming back now. There's, there's, what, five or six of them now, and every time you go online, there's another one of you. And you're getting emails from people going, would you write an article on Tegan's hair? And you're going, uh, okay, I'll do that. Uh, which I hope, but that's beside the point. Um, so do you think we are still that, or we are our own thing now? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I, I think certainly we are the logical extension of fandom. There's no question of that. And I think the, we are exploiting what the internet has given us in order to get our voice out there now. I think the resurgence of fanzines is interesting as well. Um, I, I, I personally think that's a sign of Doctor Who fandom growing up and getting a bit old and quite enjoying the nostalgia that we used to feel, you know, back down the Fitzroy Tavern. 15 years ago, or there's a new paper fanzine that someone's gone and Xerox off at work when they shouldn't have been using a photocopier or something. Um, so I, I, I'm not so sure whether or not this resurgence of fanzines is something that's going to last, personally. I do think podcasts have actually been quite, what's the words, they've got longevity. Um, they've certainly been going for five, six years since they've been started. I think Luke's taken that to the next step and started putting his face online. <laughs> the rest of us, there's very good reasons why we like audio, you see. <laughs> um, we much prefer not being seen. But I, I think that's just, you know, another step in a very long path of, um, of ways that audience can consume the media uh, that they enjoy. So who knows what's going to be happening, I think, in 
and the choir seat here. We might all be making our own productions of Doctor Who on an amateur basis. That's a bit scary, isn't it, looking at our faces? Anyone else? Well, um, the, the fanzine thing's interesting is um, back in the wilderness years. We don't like to think about the wilderness years, but back in, back in the wilderness years, when Sylvester McCoy was long and gone, and we were, the, the TV movie was but a glimmer in somebody's eye somewhere, hopefully. Uh, well, I was unemployed for a few years, and so I'd wander around and go into the local Forbidden Planet, and, oh, what's this? It's called Skyro. It's only three quid. And I took it home, and it was, it was like reading Doctor Who magazine, but it was different. You had the, um, you had all the passion that Doctor Who magazine did, and the, the, a lot of the knowledge, but, but you got all these different opinions and different styles of writing, and you'd get things in fanzine no one would ever think to put in a Doctor Who magazine, like, um, I think it was Skyro, for example, and quite often they'd just have a poem in there, and you think, I didn't know anyone who wrote poems about Doctor Who, and, and now, now fanzines are kind of creeping back in, and I think this is kind of like podcasting, thanks to the internet, because there's, there's not necessarily as many of them as there used to be, but because the internet's there, people who not, don't necessarily have the money to do the printing and all that sort of thing can say, look, here's a website, here's the PDF file. So you, you can read it on your ebook reader, you can read it on your computer, or you can print it out yourself. But either way, it cuts, it cuts all the costs, which was... It must have been one of the things preventing a lot of fanzines from happening in the first place a few years ago. Anyone else? I don't know if anybody remembers, but back in the day, in the late 80s probably, there were audio fanzines, which you used to... You send away you know, £1.50, and they send you back a tape with them reading out the fanzine, that sort of thing. And in many ways, podcasts are just that. <laughs> Which, uh, maybe we shouldn't forget that heritage. Nothing about fanzines compared to DWM is, I, and maybe I'm uh, talking out of turn here, but I feel like DWM is, is sort of a fine line. You can't really criticise too much. Uh, whereas fanzines and podcasts, we can say whatever we feel like within, you know, no, we suit, but... <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah, we all love to do that, yeah, of course we did. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, and also the, the other thing with podcasts and websites in general is the news. Not like DWM, the news is so out of date, it's not exclusive, compared to a podcast. Every you read DWM, you've heard of a podcast weeks ahead of, ahead of that. And that's where the internet and podcasts and like really come into their own. And Poor DWN, we can move along the tooth. <laughs> I think that's controversial, but true. <laughs> but true. Um, one other point I might pick up with Adam Daleks, new or old? How many are in favour of the new Daleks? None. Tom, Tom doesn't count. Okay, now that debate could go on for such a long time, so I think a yes or no question is the best way to phrase it. It's a simple no with me. Uh, so my podcast didn't even have a trailer until about a couple of months ago. When uh, any Red Dwarf fans in the audience? Yeah. Well, there's a good podcast out there called Scuttercast, and I got uh, an email of uh, I think his name is Ian, but uh, certainly one of the guys from Scuttercast, and uh, that every couple of weeks they do 
uh, a podcast about an episode of Red Dwarf, and they're just review, they're just reviewing every episode of Red Dwarf. Goodness knows what they're going to do when they run out, but that's what they do. And uh, so they have other sections on the show. They have something called Parrots Bar, but every week they do podcasts of the week. And so he sent me this email, and he said, "Oh, in the Snippy old show, I really like it. Could you send me a trailer?" I went, well, I made a trailer for like the previous series when I was on a different website and I had this, that, and the other bit of audio, but it's not relevant anymore because I've been doing all these series five reviews. So I went, oh, okay, I'll do a trailer. So I like knocked one together in about ten minutes that had hideous audio quality, and I sent it off to him. And nearly two months went past, and then I listen to so many podcasts that sometimes I don't listen to the same ones every week and. There was a bit of time at work one afternoon, I thought, oh yeah, I've got Scuttercast down here in the bottom on the iPhone, I'll stick Scuttercast on. And it was my podcast of the week that week, and I, wow, extra content for the next episode, because <laughs> I thought, oh, we'll stick that at the beginning of the next episode, because one of the um, things we've not covered is, um, and it's a question I've been meaning to ask several of my podcasting colleagues for a while, and that's that... Is there a tipping point? Is there a point where you start getting so much regular feedback that it becomes a regular thing that you have to do on every show? Uh, yeah, we get, we're very blessed with a lot of feedback, but that's also a bit of a curse. And it takes about half an hour, 40 minutes to get through the feedback. And we hate them for not reading this feedback out. Occasionally we have to kind of cut it down. But it was wrong to, to not acknowledge and read people's ideas and thoughts out. But it, it, it's a nice but tricky situation to be in. A lot of podcasts take feedback and don't read it out. This will fly offline. Um, but but we, we, we do make a decision to, to reply. It does make a you know, communication back and forth between the listener and the podcast. Well, if you feel quite isolated, I don't know. bit of feedback but um, a lot of people are actually ashamed of commentary um, on our blog so um, we're lucky that we don't have to answer a lot one of the things i was curious about do you guys not find that the podcast turns into especially during the season just a massive commitment we only do a half hour podcast and it takes about about eight hours to edit it it, it seems incredible it just takes such a massive amount of time some of the hour-long podcasts got it terry um one of our um, contributors took over the podcast editing. It took her 50 hours to edit one podcast recently. Do you guys just get like totally swapped? Well, um, we met and we talked, and that's on like a, a three hour conversation. But this poor lad here has to spend a week editing down and cutting out all our fluffs and things that we can't say online. <laughs> or, you know. So, uh, yeah, the, it is quite a commitment, especially um, in mid-season hits. Um, you were in a weekend, didn't you? And, and that, that, again, all the spare time he has is to cut it down. So, the technical the, the praise that I can't give this guy, just to sit in his small room with a candle and sort of cut it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it does take quite, for our side, it does take quite some commitment. Editing, this, this editing. When, I, when I started this whole Doctor Who podcasting, like I thought, 
I've got to come up with a way so I'm not tied to a computer for a week. And so for 13 weeks during the series, it's literally me recording for five minutes and sticking a beginning and end theme tune on it. And for about nine weeks or ten weeks before that, I suddenly discovered the hell that Adam J. Purcell is. Because I thought, I know what I'll do. There's a, a couple of months before Doctor Who comes on. I'll do a show about the Doctor each actor every week and include little clips from film, bits of film and TV they've done over the years. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it is a nightmare because you, you, you're just searching around and finding these things and you've got to slot them in. And Plus I don't have a lot of the kit that some people have. It's just something to record, something to edit, and that's all I have. <laughs> I suddenly saw a smile of recognition from Michael. <laughs> right, okay, I think we've been on stage for, for quite long enough. So I, I'd like to say thank you very much indeed for sticking with us this time. Do you find it interesting? Do it again next year, just to see benefit. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks everyone on the panel as well. And up next for the final piece of audio, a few of us straggling podcasters at the train station after Whoville itself had finished look back on the day's events and give our impressions of it. So here we go. Okay, we have here the select members of the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> the select? Oh. The select, actually the quality, to oh, be honest oh, with you. Oh, oh, yeah. The ones the that have oh. You mean the scum? The scum oh, rises to the top. Yeah. Oddly enough, we haven't actually had anything to drink. <laughs> no, no. Despite what this recording is. Yeah. Well, let's start with Luke. We'll just introduce ourselves. Hello, yes, Luke here from Tomodwork, the Mining Doctor Who podcast. Um... Yeah, that's about it. I must ask you a question. Yes. How do you pronounce the M in Tumbudwood? <laughs> well, in the context of the T and the, the D. Yeah. Right, just so long as I'm getting it right in future, that's yeah. all. Tumbudwood, yes. Uh, Tim from Tim's Take On. Me from the Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> oh, the official one. The, the, one. Official the definitive one. article, you might say. <laughs> uh, Adam from Staggering Stories, and my uh, friend here. Real Keith from Staggering Stories. And I'm Marty Perrett from the Bear Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, Tom from the Doctor Who Podcast. That's a little identity crisis there once again. So, guys, we're all on the podcasting panel today. Mm-hmm. How do we think it went? Oh, yeah, isn't it really well? Pretty good, considering. Yeah. It's a blind yeah. panic, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, yeah. Better than I thought, because ju- just, uh, just the sight of another recorded... But you were really good, you were really charismatic oh, yeah. when you were talking about the things that you... As I said to people afterwards, I came up with this good trick, it's called... Look at the other people on the panel. Yeah. Look at the Concentrate on thinking. Well, yeah. the audience were far better looking as well, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there was more of them than there was of us. This year we only had blokes on the panel, so there was bound to be some yeah, yeah. ladies well, in the audience. Higher, higher quality, you mean. <laughs> Reasoned, rational arguments. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Do you know, that's a very good point there, Luke, you made. Remind me to work this into fake Keith next time I say Okay, so let's let's say highlight. Then, who is the um, who is the best panelist, or who did you enjoy the most, guys? Um, yeah, didn't see many. I've not seen many. The bits I caught, I enjoyed Katie Manning. She was a very how can I it bubbly and sparky. Which, she which is her, yeah, which is her anyway. So you enjoyed some bits of Katie. So Manning. Some bits of Katie. I'm not saying which bits, but no, that's good. Legal that's representation good. will be along later. <laughs> and uh, Sophie, I enjoyed Sophie. Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. All of that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Tom, um, I. I 
I'm naturally biased towards Deborah Watling. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, but I have to say, all the people that gave their time today were, were interesting in one way or another. Oh yeah. Um, mm. I just, I said, the revelation to me is that how generous people are with their time when you just when you just wander up to them and are polite and ask questions mm. and yeah. ask for photographs. Yeah, I, I, it was a really good day all round. Nice atmosphere. Nice yes. Atmosphere. Yes. Guys. Yeah, I, mean, I, I uh, hadn't seen. I don't think any of them before. I'm still quite new to the convention <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, definitely really enjoyed um, Sophie and um, Katie in particular. Um, kind of just really interesting kind of hearing their stories. Uh, as I was saying before we came on, on air, you, you kind of get edited highlights on mm. DVD documentaries, oh, which are interesting, yeah. but to kind of get let, let someone let rip for half an hour um, just yeah. on their own is, a, is really, really exciting um, to kind of hear their own perspective. Could you... The um, the DVD trailers obviously have to be edited down, yeah. but you can see somehow how the scatterbrain mind works, where one memory triggers another yeah. memory, and mm. it's a case of the look on their yeah. face as they suddenly remember something. Yeah, yeah. I think think for me, this is, is going to sound like a unanimous vote all around the table. I think, but Sophie and Katie, mm. because they were both interesting and and funny as well, and after. A long journey, and it was a long journey, because <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been in the car be for a couple of hours <laughs> coming up here today, and to to have a good laugh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. it, it kind of makes it all worthwhile. Mm. I have to give a shout-out for John Leeson, too, who's always a... Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Always good value. Very generous chap as well. Oh, yeah. What, yeah. What you Sadly, they ran out of time with him, and I did want to know what he thought of the... Australian canine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quite get to it. Was that not mentioned? It though? was mentioned. It was mentioned. They didn't kind of say. They yeah. were quite diplomatic about it. I mm, think. Right. Blipped over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oddly, I think they would have probably had the most critical audience today mm. because obviously we all know and love <laughs> canine yeah. Yeah. From, yeah. from years have gone past. We're not so. the desired audience no, we're not anymore. Really. I don't. I don't think so. So there we go. What, what did you guys make of all the cosplayers that were about today? Ah, oh, I love them. Yeah. I, I really do. They just add to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love going to a convention where there are cosplayers. I haven't got the remotest guts. Uh, Apart, I have done it once what did yeah. you earlier like? this year uh, because I realised a few months back that um, one of the writers of Doctor Who has uh, created something that was the easiest piece of cosplay <laughs> ever because they put John Sim in a red T-shirt and a oh. black hoodie, Thank a black jeans, and a pair of black jeans. You can get away with this. No, I can do that. Actually, I'll tell you, there's one easier. So my packing for Gallifrey next year, that, that's one that's thing that will be in there. <laughs> <laughs> will you dye your hair jet or, well, jet orange? Is that the word? I'm colour blind. What colour was it? Blonde. It was blonde. I'm not going that far. Yeah, no. You look good, blonde. You'll go to Los Angeles, but you won't go that far. You can go even easier I've got to Los Angeles yet. I think certainly when you go to Los Angeles, then when you go to Gallifrey, you know, cosplay is, is yeah. part mm. of that convention. Yeah. It's built into the makeup mm. of it. And I have to say, from a personal point of view, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even go as far as trying to look like the master. Um, it just freaks me out completely. Uh, partic <laughs> particularly when you get people in character. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it, it, it's kind of spooky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck yeah. to them. And yeah. I think yeah. we yeah. should encourage a celebration of all things fandom. <laughs> Mm, yeah. But it ain't for me. No, in any way. Yeah. No. Um, talking personally, as someone who has pushed a Dalek from London to Brighton dressed as a Chancellery Guard, the <laughs> looks that you get as you're sort of just walking over the evening, and like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I didn't get, because the only time I've actually tried this out in public was at London Expo in East London earlier yeah. this year. 
trouble with that con is that although there's a few Doctor Who fans there, it's mostly manga and anime right. fans. Yes. Yeah. yes. And you can walk around till the cows come home in a black hoodie, a red t-shirt, yeah. and yeah. black jeans, <laughs> and no. nobody yeah. pays a blind bit of notice to you, because <laughs> yeah. there's a guy dressed as Pac-Man over That's there, yeah. dressed yeah. as yeah. some anime character over there. It's not in there, obviously. <laughs> so, Another great thing about the Hooverville conventions compared to a lot of the UK conventions is that the guests do seem more willing or maybe yes. they're allowed by the organisers to yeah. interact. They mingle. They're just yeah. another person here and you can they go are. up to them and talk yeah. to yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, we, on the train back, we had yeah. Sophie Aldrich behind us on the way back. Yeah, so and, some, yeah. some of the conventions we've been to recently, because I've stopped going to conventions. Obviously, the family was growing up, but mm. I've managed to get back into it. But they're, uh, they're locked in the green room and they're only hassled out when they're yeah. on stage, surrounded yeah. by security. And, <gasps> and, and, yeah. and it like I was saying on the train, it's interesting to see that they're, they're human. They talk, yes, they yeah. eat, they have their own problems. Yeah. Well, you know, well, sort of well, and, and Sophie being a mum. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. at the convention, kind of as, uh, as, as someone who had played Ace, mm-hmm. kind of obviously one of the, the guests, but then yeah. also being here as a mum, like any other mum. Yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. Very, but, yeah. she's very content, doesn't yeah. she? Oh, well, God, yeah. yes. Well, it's wonderful because yes. when we arrived, you, you get your ticket and you come onto the, the platform where we are now. And just along the way behind us was a Dalek, and yeah. next to the Dalek was Sophie Aldred and one of her kids. Yeah. Mm. And it, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was Quite wonderful a dangerous place to stand. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, she had a baseball bat. <laughs> oh, no. But equally, John Leeson's been here today with his big camera, yeah. taking photographs all around yeah. like he's yeah. a fan as much yeah, as the rest it. of us are. Yeah. And, and I think that is one thing that they've really, really done well here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've got a very unique package in this convention. Now, yeah. for me, yeah. I mean, you guys, I think there are at least double the amount of people from here last year yeah. or getting on yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling that this could last some years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well done to Steve. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. What you've just said reminded me of something actually come across on Sophie's bit where she ran into Karen Gillan. Mm. And Mm. my God, they're fangirls. They appear in the show, but they're both fangirls of the show. Well, it's the the way that she described that particular anecdote. You were laughing with her. It wasn't really an interview. It was something like a group chat. Yeah. Fireside discussion, a little natter. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a unique way of presenting something that's been going on for a very long time mm. in conventions. Mm. And and for me, when I'm going to go along to other conventions now, where people are kept behind locked yeah. doors, I'm yeah. going to feel slightly that's aggrieved. It. That's yeah. it. You, yeah. that's, and that's, that's a massive gonna, compliment to Steve Hatcher and the Hoover's yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what yeah. you're going to compare yeah. it to. You're going to compare it to this, because yep. you had such a great time here. Well, this, this is it precisely. Yeah. It's... Um, well, we were talking earlier, Tom and I were, about how this compares to Gadafrey. Yeah. And in terms of scale, it's polar opposites. However, Steve has taken the very best, you know, the essence of what makes up yeah. Yeah. the biggest convention in the world and probably translated it, well, translated it into what is probably the smallest <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. scale mm. convention because it is basically a shed. And he's done yeah. it so mm. very, very yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what, what, I, what I have noticed is also taken on board what was wrong with last year, i.e. the autographers yes. and the, in the yes. same yes. area. Yeah. So the, yeah. the natter from the autographers would overpower the um, what's going on, Wade yeah. Auditorium, yeah. what's going on stage. And he's taken that on board and just moved it slightly away. So yeah. we're that much better. No, and he's learning, I think. He's still in the early days yeah. of yeah. learning. And that was a very clear... Um, improvement on yeah, last yeah, year, certainly. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the improvement about having the maintenance and the painting of a train <laughs> <laughs> next to the main stage? It, it, was, <laughs> it was the first thing I noticed as I walked into that train shed this morning. I thought, 
the atmosphere is intoxicating. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought, yeah. I can smell paint. But the honest thing is, by the end of the day, I couldn't smell paint. I don't know if that's good or bad. I couldn't smell paint, but I was beginning to see colours. Pretty hard. Anything else? We've been talking for ten minutes, guys. Already. We can rattle on, can't we? We can do. Anything else that we want to say before we wrap up and, well, we'll go home? Really? Four to Hooverville 3? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're definitely going to try to make it for Hooverville 3. Yeah, I'll pan yes. oh, Shout yeah. out for that TARDIS set at the bottom of the show. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Really oh, that was good. Most conventions you go to these days, there's a TARDIS on stage of varying quality. We arrived and just around the corner at the end of the shed where they're doing a lot of the photo shoots was this amazing fan built. Yeah. Um, console room with mm. with all the the roundels. So was it a recreation? It wasn't actually a set from it, somewhere. It, it, no, no, it was a recreation. It looked like it had mm. been used in some fan films. Oh, yeah. In the dealers' room, there was um, yeah, it's uh, a fan film. Set, and, uh, what looked to be a very active fan film yeah. group yeah. Mm. were selling DVDs of several yeah. productions they'd done yeah. over the years. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's a resounding yeah. thumbs up for oh, Hooverville 2. Make sure we're you... all putting our thumbs up. Double thumbs. You thumbs. <laughs> 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 they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> they actually are. Trev, get yourself over here. You'll love it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, bye everybody. <laughs> I think that's the way you're in. Totally. Sorry to have missed you, darling. And next time we'll take you to Black. Sadly, that's it for Hooverville for another year. I think it's fair to say great times had by all. And I certainly like to thank the Hoovers Doc Two Group and Steve Hatcher in particular for organising a wonderful event again. Also, of course, thank you to the guests and the other attendees and podcasters, all without whom it would not have been anything like as good as it was and has been for two years running now. In fact, there's already talk of a Hooverville three in 2011. I'd highly recommend attending if you can. Anyway, that's it for this year. So thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>